I'm Heather Rice, and I am here to talk about my Russian online class called Budim Nasvyazi, which means we will be in touch. Also, interesting, Nasvyazi means online. Get it? Online, Russian online. It's a play on words. This title was actually a gift from Professor Garza in our department. Budim Nasvyazi. We'll be in touch. We'll be online. You are listening to the Slavic Connection, and today we are talking with Dr. Heather Rice. Heather Rice joined University of Texas from Indiana a few years ago, and she has spearheaded the Russian online course, which is one of the first of its kind, although I think it might be one of the first worldwide. We talked about the difficulties and benefits of teaching an online course and what this might mean for language learning in the future, and I hope you enjoy Welcome to the show. Thank you. So uh, you're on today to talk about online Russian, which I was a formal pupil of. Before we get into that, why don't you tell us about how you got into Russian in general, Russian language, what brought you to the subject? How I got into studying Russian. Well, I grew up in Texas and I studied Spanish as a foreign language in high school, like a lot of us did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I liked it fine. And then I came to college here at UT a long time ago. And I thought, I'll continue studying Spanish because that makes sense. My major at the time was math. And at that time, if you were a student at UT seeking a bachelor's of science, they told you you had to take Russian, German, or French as your foreign language. And I chose German, I think. But I was one of the last to register because my last name was Rice. They put me in a Russian class. (laughs) And my plan, I was like, I have no (laughs) interest Mm -hmm. in Russian. I had uh, thought that I would transfer out like within a week, but then... The class I was in was pretty small. There were about 10 students, and I think all but me uh, were all grad students, and they were really good. They were really serious mm-hmm. about their work, and I just got really motivated by them. And it was just fascinating. Mm. So, And so this is sort of the period where learning Russian is probably falling out of favor. After Soviet Union ended, I feel like most people were like, no, we won. Okay, we can go back to studying French and Spanish and German. Well, this was, <laughs> this was I know closer. You're, I, know, I know it's more recent than that. I'm not applying This was anything. closer to the fall of the Soviet Union than I'm admitting <laughs> when I started studying Russian, so it was still pretty popular. But uh, when I got into grad school several years later, the popularity had really mm-hmm. um, started to wane. And then you went on to live in Russia after that for a little while? or Yeah, so I did, my, I did a study abroad year, my senior year, senior year here yeah, at UT. I lived in St. Petersburg for the academic year. And it was amazing. Uh, at that time, you really, what I thought was the most amazing was you couldn't get any part or anything of like the comforts of home. You couldn't find America anywhere. <laughs> it was still so close to Soviet days. It was so interesting. It was, it was really depressing. It was really hard. But that ended up being what I loved about it was that it was so foreign And um, that was back in uh, 1997. And then I went back, what, like 10 years later or so, like 2008. Yeah, I went back to St. Petersburg. It was a completely different city. Mm -hmm. It was this beautiful, like, westernized city and with all the comforts of home and more. It was was incredible. And I was happy to be there. It was was fascinating. But I missed that, that time of, like, just stark 
grayness and the foreignness of it. Yeah, it was so foreign. You couldn't go to McDonald's or Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Still so Soviet feeling. Were they surprised that you were a Texan? Uh, Whenever I go abroad, I think they think all Americans are like the stereotypical Texan. Mm -hmm. When you were like, I'm from Houston, were they surprised? Like, did they? The Russians really liked that I was from Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, I met this guy in St. Petersburg at a club one time who was a Willie Nelson impersonator. And he was a Russian Willie Nelson. Yeah, he was a Russian, a Russian. And he was impersonating Willie Nelson. He had his accent. He had his songs. He had his voice down. It was amazing. (laughs) And so he was really happy to meet a Texan. Did he sing in Russian? In English. He was incredible. He was. Was he Willie Nelson or they actually? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. And so back to America, um, Mm -hmm. you decided to get your PhD from Wisconsin? No, Indiana University. Okay, gotcha. I don't know why I mixed those up. So when did it click that you wanted to teach Russian? Um, So I, like a lot of people, after I got my bachelor's, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I remember loving Russian language. I was just so fascinated with it. And I loved being in Russia and traveling. And so I thought, well, maybe maybe I'll go to grad school and see what I can do there. Um, And I had also discovered linguistics. I thought that was kind of cool. I wasn't really into politics. I wasn't into history or literature Mm -hmm. so much, but linguistics, the study of language and the structure of language and how languages work seemed to really resonate with me. Mm -hmm. That's what I liked about Russian so much was how formulaic it all was, you know, and how how math related really. Um, Hmm. It made sense for someone coming as a, you know, math major to actually end up in in Russian later. Um, So, yeah, I thought I'll do grad work in Slavic linguistics. And see where that takes me. And at Indiana University, um, a lot of the grad students end up teaching Russian or other languages. Mm -hmm. So I was a a teacher. And there you're an AI and an associate instructor. And so you're not teaching under somebody. You're actually teaching the class, carrying the whole class yourself. And that was just a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. trying to come up with ways to get students interested in language. And Bloomington has this incredible language program. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which everyone, I don't think anyone who doesn't study language knows that. But it's like if you study language and you can't live abroad, like you go to Bloomington. Bloomington's awesome. Yeah. So they used to call it Sweetsel the summer. <laughs> I don't remember what it stands for. Anyway, we used to call it Sweetsel. Um, and now it's called the summer workshop or something. <laughs> Sorry. Well, <laughs> Sorry. What, what, was there anything like particularly that challenged you about Russian? I'm obviously, I've only been doing it for like 10 months now. So. I'm so far behind. I don't even know what I'm bad at yet. Like, I'm just bad at everything. Was right. there any part of the language that was like super difficult coming from English or? Oh, yeah. Um, I Russian, learning Russian taught me English. Oh. Um, <laughs> taught me English grammar. Taught me how English was structured. I had no idea. I mean, you learn grammar in school, but mm-hmm. none of it made any sense. What a subject, predicate, you know, nouns, verbs. I didn't really know. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of talk. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what any of that was. Even studying Spanish, I didn't know why you conjugated verbs. So Russian has cases, as mm-hmm. we all know, right? And so Russian is notoriously difficult. People talk about all the endings and all the endings change. And that is what makes Russian so hard mm-hmm. is that all you know nouns and adjectives and pronouns, uh, the endings can change depending on what role the word is playing in the sentence, whether it's the subject, the object, the indirect object. Right. And keeping up with those endings, not only what role it's playing, but what the actual ending looks like. Mm-hmm is a lot to hold on to as an English speaker. Yeah. It's sort of, I mean, Latin isn't dead. Yeah. It's basically Russian. Yeah. 
I had this one, uh, I had took Latin in high school and I had this one kid in class who would always demand that the teacher would admit that Latin is just how Yoda speaks. How is Jasper playing? She's like, no, that's not right at that's all. That's not right. Like, no, I swear to God, it is. Yeah. And so do you think being a math background helped you with Russian? Because it's kind of like, you know the endings, you know the rules, and there's sort of like this machine aspect to it. There's not a lot of I loved know, it. room for maneuvering there. No, I loved it. I loved this rule-based system. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating um, that things had their role and, you know, everything plugged into its place. And uh, I really enjoyed memorizing all of the tables and charts and, you know, figuring out. It was like a big puzzle, figuring mm-hmm. out where all the, the words fit. Yeah, I love sentence. rules. I don't know if I'm totally into it in the Russian <laughs> aspect yet, but yeah. I'll get there. Uh, so Russian online. Mm. Um, is this the first time you've taught online or did you have any of that at Indiana? Um, no, we didn't do this at Indiana. Um, mm. So, yeah, this is really my first experience with online teaching. So what makes it unique from teaching in a classroom? Or <laughs> this is the first online Russian class anywhere, really, right? I don't know if it's the first online class. There are other online offerings of mm-hmm. Russian, but they probably just take different forms. <laughs> I can't actually speak to all of them. I haven't done, you know, a full survey of, of what's offered out there, but I can say about ours. Uh, Let, yeah, let's just I go think ahead it is, and say yeah, it's definitely, absolutely. I took yeah. um, like an intensive class over the mm-hmm. summer and I knew all the block letters and then they're like, okay, well, here's a new alphabet you have to learn. And I was like, no, I already know, I already know it. Like, yeah. I don't need to learn a third alphabet. <laughs> And then when it's in italics online, it's a, almost another alphabet. I know. It's a third one. I know. Yeah. So I try not to italicize anything in Russian on... <laughs> it's completely different. It's it illegible. looks so different. It doesn't look like a script and right. it doesn't... Yeah. No, you're right. We used to have to have just like, you know, here's how you do an A and you have to write it. And my teacher would say, it looks like you're getting drunk as you write because it would just get worse and worse and worse. I just say, yeah, I'm not a cursive writer. It's yeah. probably the hardest part of... Yeah. You don't think of that when you're learning new language, that you just have to learn a new alphabet halfway through. You know, and when I was in Russia, and this was back in 1997, people would handwrite a lot of things, would handwrite a lot of notes. And I pretty equally received or would see handwritten notes in um, print and, mm-hmm. or in block letters and handwritten in cursive. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, cursive is definitely used mm-hmm. still and was. And, and definitely if students are planning to do archival Work, they need to know right. how to read Russian script for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you're reading like a diary or anything, what's, what's that, shashlik? Or, I can't remember what word it was. It's literally just like curve, 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 curve. I think a professor explained to us what, like, sometimes mm-hmm. you put the line over the letter to, to yeah, say if, which tab. one it is. The and tab. so you need to know for this yeah. one because it's just curves over and over. Yeah. Yeah, in my module, my cursive module, I, I put up a few words like um, familia or Pishitia mm-hmm. or pishish. If you see that written out in cursive, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like wave, 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 wave. Like read that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first started building this course, I thought that I needed to build something that was kind of sterile that might be transferable to any instructor. And I actually had Professor Garza look at my sort of initial draft of this, and his his first comment was like, "Yeah." Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's all accurate. <laughs> and I thought, okay, great, good. I've got his, you know, approval. And he was like, but where's the fun? <laughs> that question, I think, changed the entire course of development after that. Um, and I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, well, where's your personality? What do you mean? I can put my personality in this? He said, yes, I think you need to. And so really from that moment, 
it just took a totally different turn. You know, we created this character, Alieg, who's this little hedgehog, and he's learning Russian right alongside you guys. And we just started making all of these scripts and having fun with video. And um, it really it really took on a gigantic personality. And I think it's a lot of fun now. I don't know yeah. if, if Tom agrees. Well, I came in in the third year, and there was like a <laughs> mythology that I didn't understand. Yeah. Who is this hedgehog and everything? <laughs> No, it's def- it was definitely fun. Yeah, it um, it's it's a as Molly that my TA Molly Adler, my TA this whole time she's going to be leaving. Um, she describes it as very whimsical course. Mm. I created a course of whimsy, and that is the biggest compliment. Russian has to be fun in order mm-hmm. to to learn it. So, how many semesters have you taught it so far? So, I'm just finishing the third run of Russian 406, the okay. first semester of the sequence. And is it like exactly the same when it oh, started? No. Did you learn anything that just didn't Definitely. work online? <laughs> um, yeah. So one thing being the cursive, I required that the first semester and then took it out by the second. I also think that I really overshot the first semester. I gave them way too much work mm-hmm. and I have since scaled back quite a bit. So those students who signed up for the first semester, if they could only see it now, they'd probably be a lot happier. <laughs> but no, uh, the reason I had done that is that this course, the online course, was designed initially to to mirror the intensive courses that we offer here. And we uh, extended it to three semesters instead of two because just being online, just that online medium itself makes learning a little harder, mm-hmm. makes everything go a little slower. So I was I was in this like intensive mindset and just thought, no, no, they need to get all of this information right now. We need to cover, you know, so much information in these few weeks. And that was really difficult, mm-hmm. I think, for students to, right. to see that. Um, in a classroom, when you're, when you're dealing with a textbook, you can, you can skim some pages. You can kind of pick and choose what you need to see. And I think going through the modules online, going through each page that I post probably seemed to students, you know, necessary that they they take in every single thing that was there, whereas they might not feel that way if they're looking mm-hmm. at an, a printed textbook. Right. And so it just, I'm, I'm guessing, felt a lot more cumbersome to mm-hmm. see all of that online versus versus the printed textbook. So, um, yeah, I changed things around a little bit. Do you think this is what is going to be the way of the future of bigger schools with first-year classes? Because I assume Russian's only going to get more popular. I don't know. If yeah. there's a hundred, you know, a hundred person <laughs> cohort and there's yeah. like two intro Russian teachers, you think there's me more online or? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, online, the online world um, is, you know, langu- or uh, online learning right now is a little bit of a hot topic, I guess. Some people are very in favor of it. It's also getting a lot of bad press and that online learning as convenient and efficient as it looks and um, as much as it seems like you can personalize it and tailor it to individual learners and make education more learner-based, mm-hmm. it's getting some bad press. And and that's fair. That's totally fine. I'm trying to, in, in still designing and teaching this class, keep the kinds of concerns that are on the table right now in mind. I think online learning, online Russian learning even is possible. The students have to be bought in. A big part of what makes it successful is having a strong instructor presence, letting students know that they're not just out there (laughs) learning in the ether on their own, that there is somebody right there just on the other side, looking at your work and reviewing it and getting back to you as as, uh, as soon as possible. 
but also going back to this uh, notion of community connecting all of the students who are in the class together. Again, so they don't feel like they're alone. They actually connect. And we're able to do this with technology like Zoom mm-hmm. and video conferencing, which is a which is great, right? Um, it's a great platform. Students can just meet up and go through exercises together. And they can, even though they're not physically in the same space, they can connect and hopefully um, start building that right. community. And I don't our cl- know our if class it, is really good. But we had like yeah. a group me and everyone was in it. And like you were really good about getting back to questions too, which is really important in the class, if especially online. If the professor can't respond to like explaining the participle or which I still don't understand, but that's not your fault. It's just complicated. Um, <laughs> yes. But like they kind of forced us to really have a community within each other. And like, you know, none of my grad classes, we're going to have a group meeting for our grad mm-hmm. class, but every language class I've taken here has been much more inclusive. Oh. My other question was, do you think online learning is compared properly to in-class learning or is it kind of held to like this utopian standard of learning? Because I feel like whenever we introduce like sort of new ways of doing things, it's not compared to how things are done. It's compared to like the perfect option. If online learning falls short of that, it's like, no, we have to scrap this. We have to go back to in-class learning. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think initially when, you know, online learning came up and as a possibility that it was going to be the answer to everything, right? Mm-hmm. It was going to allow us to, you know, let students go practice and learn the nitty-gritty of grammar on their own. You know, that's a no-no in the classroom. Now you cannot go over a conjugation table on the chalkboard in front of students anymore. You can't do that. The right. classroom is only for practicing language students have been studying and memorizing at home on their own. And so the online, well, at least language classroom was supposed to allow this kind of uh, perfect, what do I want to say, like embodiment of that, right? Mm -hmm. But the way I think we initially approached moving Russian to online was was to think about how, how can we transfer what we know about in class learning, how can we move that to online? And I think that was the wrong thing to ask. You know, mm-hmm. we, we know what we know about in class learning. Um, now we're going to build a class online. How do we make the online class look exactly like the person to person class, the face to face class? And I don't think that's the question to ask, but more how can we utilize this technology we have in front of us to make learning Russian? as successful as possible, given given this medium. You know, we're online. What resources do we have? What can we play with to encourage the acquisition of Russian, right. the, the learning of Russian? And I think starting with that question, that helps us right. uh, come up with, with more successful. Yeah. It's complicated. There's no perfect way yeah. to learn it in the first <laughs> place. Sorry if I didn't answer that well. No, no, no. I mean, totally. I mean, the best way to learn it is just to be thrown into Russia and not be yeah. allowed to leave or speak English. But Absolutely. And we don't yeah. have that luxury in Austin, no. Texas quite yet. No. But what's really nice about being online is that I can, when we do have our, our group meetings, our language lab meetings, is that I can tell students, I can break them into groups and say, okay, since you're online, mm-hmm. go to this site and try to figure this out together with your partner. Or let's look at all this, you know, let's look at this website together. So there's some some nice yeah. perks about being online. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I think I learned more about online Russian even after teach after after learning it. Um, so we always end with our guests asking them if they have any books or movies they want to recommend or something recently that they really liked. 
could be related to learning <laughs> Russian or completely unrelated? Wow, that's a good question too. <laughs> so my recommendation, um, this is embarrassing. Um, I don't know what to recommend. I can tell you what I have been doing. So I sit in my office all the time and I'm working on my, my classes and I put on my headset and I go to YouTube and I put on some Russian movie just to play in the background. Most mm. recently it's been Peter FM and that was made in like 2006 or 2007. <laughs> so it's not at all new, but it's, you know, it's a nice feel good summer sort of rom-com in Russia. And I like just hearing the language. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, that works. Well, okay. Thank you very much. Sure. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. The views, opinions, and ideas expressed on this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the show or the University of Texas. Thank you for listening to the Slavic Connection. Please visit SlavXRadio.com for more information and to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. The Slavic Connection is produced by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you. Здравствуйте! Добро пожаловать на русский язык онлайн! Hello and welcome to Russian Online. Come along with us on a journey to learn Russian language and culture online at the University of Texas. We will dig into the notoriously complex grammar of Russian and demystify it a bit by having some fun with it. Meet Paulina and her friend Alek the Hedgehog, who is just starting to learn Russian. You will start speaking Russian from day one. So pack up what you think you know about Russian language and culture and come find out what they're all really saying. Will we see you there? Будем на связи! 